Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. January the 3rd, 2013. <clears throat> Tonight in Coolidge, Arizona. We are looking at lesson number eight in our study of the book of Revelation. For those of you who have notes, uh, those of you who may be listening with no notes, uh, you don't really need them. Um, But you ought to have pencil and paper tonight if you can. Let's go, let's begin our... our, um, study tonight with Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 one that you ought to have familiar in your mind as to where it is and what it says <clears throat> as a principle verse it doesn't it's dealing with the, uh, under the law but there's a principle involved here <clears throat> we're on page 2 of the notes at the top of the notes and Lesson number seven deals with verses one to three, and tonight we're doing a a textual study of verses four four through six, uh, if time allows. And if you need information on verses one through three, that would be covered under lesson seven. All right, in Deuteronomy 29:29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. That's kind of a summary of verses 1 to 3, isn't it? Those matters that God has revealed the matters, all of the matters that God has revealed, and that's where the word revelation comes from. It means to make known, to be revealed, to, to uh, take the wrappings off. Those matters that God has revealed ought to be studied. And that's why there is a blessing to those who hear and heed the things which are written in this revelation. And then specifically in verse 3, 4, the time is at hand. <clears throat> so the idea of revelation is that God is making something known. He is making it known for us and that we have a responsibility to what it is He has made known. The book of Revelation is that God is making something known that we need to get a handle on. So we also notice in in the first three verses uh, that uh, it comes from God the planner and then to Jesus Christ the King and also the speaker for God. Then through an angel, the King's messenger and from there to John, the King's servant and penman. Now what that does is it traces the revelation 
to a divine source and certainty. We need to keep that well in mind. <clears throat> With that mini review of verses 1 to 3, the details, as I said before, are in lesson 7. Let's move on now to 4, verse 4, and look. And we'll, we'll try to accomplish verses 4 through 6, but you're going to have some work to do tonight. And if you have notes, you won't need paper. If you don't have notes, you may want paper. <clears throat> Nothing complicated. It is John to the seven churches. Now I gave you on page uh, two of the notes a printout of the Greek. It's John to the seven churches to John the seven the churches. Very specific. You see the double article? Mm -hmm. In both cases. And then he tells us where these specific seven churches are. And where is that? Asia. They are in the Asia. The Asia that was known by those people at that time. And there were seven churches that he is addressing. So, you know, my first question there is, where are these churches? Asia. They are the seven churches in Asia. How many? <clears throat> seven. And when we get into page one, go back to page one where, where I deal with some observations of our study of the text, uh, we will look at this from a little different uh, uh, broadening effect. <clears throat> now, were these churches of the mind that we have today that they were invisible? No. No. Here you have, in our generation of our time, you have the concept that the church is invisible, that there are Christian people in Buddhism, in Hinduism, in, in um, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Romanism, all there's just good, solid, believing, baptized people in all of these groups. And that creates what are we known as what? Denomination? No. Universal. The, the, invis the invisible oh, church. The invisible. Yeah, they that's what that constitutes what is known today as the invisible church. <clears throat> when you when you deal with that you get people who get up and walk out. When you deal with that. When you deal with the idea that there is no such thing as an invisible church, that a church is a group of people that can be identified and that they can have a letter delivered to. How would you ever deliver a letter to an invisible church? <laughs> And so many of the guests that we have here, wonderful people, but that's the one thing that really is the core problem. They believe that you can be a good Christian wherever you are. 
There's Zoni, or Zona. That's always an uplifting thing to see. <clears throat> A little pony coming in there with no saddle. <clears throat> so in verse 4, let's continue. Oh, by the way. So in the Asia, very specific, the seven, the seven churches, we're on, we're on page two of the notes. <clears throat> Grace to you all, that's a corporate pronoun, peace, and it's from whom? There are three Three matters identified here. What is the first one? And you can fill in the blank. Which is? Which was? Which? What's the first one? Which is? So the who? From him. Which is? And and who is that? <clears throat> the one coming. Oh, okay. And, and notice what uh, and you see the I've uh, did that did I circle your paw? You're a pause there. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so from the one being, ha, masculine, and the one who was. <clears throat> now, by the way, those are all what we refer to as intransitive verbs. What is the difference between an intransitive verb and a transitive verb? A transitive verb is a verb that has action. An intransitive verb is a state of being. <coughs> they are all of the two be verbs. <clears throat> so all of these are a form of that. Here is one. Um, the one being. The one who, and that, that is in the present... The one who was in the past and the one who will be in the future, the one coming, the one who is, that's describing not Jesus, that's describing who? Who is it that has always been, will always be, and is God. So you ought to put down there that the first from is from um, God. <clears throat> or Him. I mean, literally it's Him. But Him isn't in the original text. It is just the masculine article, Ha. <clears throat> and then the second one, The second identified issue here is 
what? Seven spirits? Who is, who was. No. Now we already covered all the all the tenses that refer to God. Seven spirits? Okay, the seven spirits. If your Bible has who, it should be which, because it's neuter. And they are before his throne. So the second one would be the seven spirits. So you have God, the seven spirits. Now you can get all kinds of things, uh, all kinds of ideas about um, about what that refers to. I'm going to give you an opinion that I cannot validate. <clears throat> I'm just going to give you an opinion to think about. <clears throat> We have God, and where is God in this little verse right here? And we know that because of what the verse says. Where is He? He's on the throne. He's on the throne. And there is something before the throne. Now, it's not necessarily a part of Him, but a spirit is that which represents the wholeness of something. spirits are before His throne. They are before the throne. Not a part of Him. Separate from, or the, wouldn't you use the word therefore before? And because He's talking about seven churches that are existed and naming them, I'm suggesting that I cannot prove. You heard me now, so don't get mad. I'm suggesting that these seven churches that are before the throne are the seven representatives of the seven churches. The spirit of the church. I cannot prove that. But you see what I'm saying? And is that, is that true throughout the Bible? Well, look at the last verse of so many of the epistles in Galatians. Uh, <clears throat> let's Let's just take a quick look there. But there's, there's more than just one. <clears throat> but notice the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with what? What? Your, your spirit. Your plural spirit singular. So he's talking there then about the spirit. The spirit of the what? The spirit of the church. Of the congregation. Of the congregation. The assembly. Of the, and particularly of the Galatian. I think that's found uh, uh, in, look at Philippians, the last verse in Philippians. I just found it. The grace of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ be with your, plural, spirit, singular. So he is talking about the spirit of the group. The spirit of the Philippians. <clears throat> so I'm thinking that the seven church, the seven spirits are not representing um, something about God although that is the common view, I believe that the reason they're before the throne, face to face with God, face to face with God, is probably because they represent the Spirit, the thing that He's going to identify about these seven churches. 
And so when we come in chapters 2 and 3, where he is identifying those seven churches, I think that he understands the spirit of that church through one of those seven spirits. Now I'm not asking you to agree, because I'm not sure I do. But I want you to think about it. <clears throat> Being before the throne like that is always in subjection to and being the throat is here and the spirits are here. Right. Um, so it's an examination. It's a face-to-face uh, with the throne being the all having all authority. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why the terminology is used, I'm sure, for us to understand. It's always been that way. So you, you can lean this way a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, the word picture is pretty clear. What you're saying, I've never connected it, but... Well, I haven't found anybody. I wouldn't throw it out. Um, but we may find things as we go along that we have to come back and alter that. So, I'm putting that down as just a, an initial idea. You ponder it. Try to find something wrong with it if you can. But this, every group of people, every group of, of, of the church has a spirit. The spirit of the group. And everyone has a little bit of... Every spirit of every group is a, has a little bit... See, that's the container of the substance. That's what breath, breath, contains all of the elements. What we might more commonly know as team spirit. Yeah. Team spirit. Yeah, team the, spirit. the team spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. as opposed to a football team, it applies to our congregation or a body. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And because he just introduced seven churches in this verse and each of every church has a spirit a team spirit it doesn't it make sense then that it is the spirit of the church that's before the throne how many anybody ever heard that I never thought about it like that and um I wish I had Bullingers with me, and I don't. I don't want to make a statement here, but the word before I think is um, um, pretty clear. <clears throat> so they're before the throne, and <clears throat> Jesus isn't before the throne. But who's the third? Who is the third one of the list? Jesus. Christ. Jesus. So you have God the Father. You have before Him the seven spirits of the seven churches that He has just introduced in this verse. And they're before His throne. And then from Jesus Christ, so there are, there are the three. <clears throat> and those are all connected by the apo from um, preposition. <clears throat> 
Now, let's look at the descriptions of number three. Now we have Jesus, the third one in that list, third group of that list. And by the way, uh, the seven spirits uh, are spirits is neuter, and it would be um, uh, should be translated which, not who. <clears throat> and that's just a matter of grammatics. But we find now a list of uh, some things about Jesus. And what's the first one? Verse 5. All right. He is a faithful witness. We'll come back and we'll expound on some of these here. And uh, so we have a witness. Firstborn of the dead. He is the uh, first begotten of the dead. Okay. Is there another one? <clears throat> Ruler of the kings of earth. And ruler, however you want to define it. So we have these three these three things describing Jesus. And in a moment when I deal with the observations, we'll come back and expound on those a little bit further. <clears throat> Did we get all of them? Well, I had four down here, but you know, I may have broken it down a little bit differently. But I want you to do this, uh, and how, how you come up with it is fine. And so then we go to the, uh, uh, the next one is, what are the accomplishments of number three of Jesus Christ, in our list of three of uh, Jesus Christ, what are His accomplishments, beginning in verse 5? All right. Well, first of all, he loved. He, loved us. he, lo- he, he and by the way, that's uh, present active, which means it's continual. He died once, but he continues to love. And uh, <clears throat> I want to make a point on the us because the us, the us is. Uh, referring to the kings of the earth and to Him who loved us who become the kings of the earth is because He did what? Right after loves us? Loosed us He re- Alright, He released us or loosed us uh, from our sins. And he does that by blood. By blood. And then he has made us to be verse six. Made us kings. Okay, uh, well, he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and Father. So He has made us to be a kingdom corporately, priest individually, to His God 
and Father. Now those are the things that Jesus accomplished. So let's go to page one. <clears throat> some observations. And I will pick up on some of those things that we've just discussed. But I want to um, try to try to be done here in a few minutes. Um, <clears throat> so now, now with just a, a general view of verses four through six accomplished, let's go back and uh, um, <clears throat> look at a little at putting some meat on the bones. This is addressed and sent to whom? Seven the seven churches in Asia. Why? Is to warn them of the impending danger from Vespasian, Titus, Nero, and to give them information regarding the fall of apostate Israel. Somebody says, well, why are not Colossae and Hierapolis mentioned? And that would make how many? Nine. Nine. Well, just prior to John, there was a great earthquake. I've given you references that you can go back and do research on this if you want to. There was a great earthquake, and Colossae was destroyed. Hierapolis was destroyed, and they were not rebuilt. And those churches emerged with Laodicea. Now that isn't what I know. It's just that I got that from Wycliffe Historical Geography, page 337 to 381, and from Schaff, History of the Christian Church, page 769. Talks about the great earthquake, those cities being destroyed, and <clears throat> that the emerging of Colossae and Hierapolis with the, with the church at Laodicea uh, is uh, reported in those resource books. And that can be researched further if you choose to do so. Or if it raises questions, why we can deal with it. Um, so there is a one-time slot for John to write. If he wrote prior to... Um, <clears throat> what would happen? If he wrote prior to the earthquake, how many would there be? There would have been nine. There would have been at least nine. And if he wrote after the fall of Jerusalem, the same historians say that the little churches sprung up all over. There would have been many churches in Asia, not just seven. So the only time that John could write this book and there'd just be seven churches, and only seven churches, would have to be between 64 and 66 A.D. You ponder that. If you have a gizzard, feed it some gravel. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> some other further observations. Those are well worth pondering. But let's, let's move on. 
Well, it says from Him in verse 4. From Him. From Him who is and who was and who is to come. Folks, we forget that about God. That's what gives our stability to human life. That's the only source of stability to human life. It isn't your government. No matter what, what it is or where it is or how good or how bad it is, that's not where the stability is. The stability is that this has come from a God who was and who is and who will be here in the future. And if you want to preach a sermon on stability, that's a good place to begin because we serve a God who is always there, always has been, and always will be. And folks, that's where human beings get their stability. We notice it was from Jesus Christ. And I gave you my views on the seven spirits <clears throat> that are before the throne representing the disposition and the content of what He's going to be addressing in the seven churches that He has just um, opened the door to in verse 4. But when it talks about Jesus, uh, He's talking about Him as being the faithful, faithful witness. And I believe that it's more than just uh, this book I believe that it's referring to what is re uh, referred to in John 1.18, that uh, the faithful witness as the one who revealed God truly. John 1.18 says that He came to do what? Let's read it. Explain God. Uh, he, he came to exegete God. To explain God. He was true in His explanation of of God. Let's go to John 8 because I can't quite get it. Wait, is it seen or make manifest or something? The one in John? Yeah, I don't remember quoted like that. Here's, here's why I, I wanted this one to be read. I, I couldn't quite get it to, to quote. <clears throat> I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. <clears throat> and and he's, he's speaking here about to the Jews. Now remember that the fall of Jerusalem is a judgment on the Mosaic economy, on the Jewish nation. And, so that, and look at the context, verse 22. He's speaking specifically about the Jews and to the Jews. And I have many things to speak and to judge and to judge concerning you. He's coming back to judge them as a nation under the covenant under which they lived. But he who sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these I speak to the world. So we proclaim that Jesus then is then our faithful witness because he is the revealer of God accurately. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. <coughs> Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> and 
Romans chapter 6. Because then he's the firstborn of the dead. Romans 6 9, I believe, is very crucial to our faith. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. See, everyone else who was raised from the dead, what happened to them? Died again. So, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over Him. That's a significant verse that tells the difference between Christ and everyone else who had died and been raised from the dead, that Jesus was raised from the dead to do what? To never die again. Now we're getting somebody described here who is pretty, pretty special. And he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. And he's made us to be a kingdom. Alright, now let's go back to verse 5 and look at the, the emphasis here. To Him who loved us. If Jesus, the ruler of the secular kings of the earth, because here it says that it would be in the present of that time, He is talking about those who have been released from their sins by His blood whom He continues to love that those are the ones who are the kings of the earth. And that's you. Do you act like it? No. When you have been released from the whole slavery of sin through His blood, you come into His love and He continues to love those. You know, Ephesians uh, 5 says that He loved and died for whom? The church. That's where it is effective. So, to Him who loved, He loves us, the church. He's re- Why does He love us? Because we don't carry our sins into the church. That's why 1 Corinthians says that if you sin, you have to go out of the church to do so. You have to go out of the body to sin. I don't care you know, whether you, who you are. When you do the wrong thing and you rebel against God, you have to go out of the church to do it. You can't sin in the church. Your sin puts you outside and that's where you have to go to do it. That's what 1 Corinthians, when it says uh, it's outside of the body, he's talking about the body of the church, not about your physical body. You have to go outside of the corporate body 
uh, if you go and dwell in sin. So, He loves us who are released from our sin. We've been released from our sins by and through His blood. And then we become the kings of the earth who are ruled by who? By Christ, and all together, then He has made us a what? Kingdom. A kingdom, where everyone is a king, and everyone is a priest. Priest. So no wonder He says, "To Him be the recognition and the dominion forever and ever," because look at the accomplishments that Jesus has accomplished in behalf of the church and that He continues to love those who have been liber uh, liberated by His blood from sin and then the honor of remaining in His love that together He has made us a kingdom. He has moved us from slavery to royalty. Let's read two passages of Scripture in conclusion today. Romans chapter 8. <clears throat> it's interesting how God began this book and we place our emphasis on the parts of it that are describing the fall of Jerusalem and they sometimes blind us to where He is now in this book in His description of our Lord. And He's not done. Chapter 1 has a whole lot more. But we need to get a handle of it because when we get a handle of that, we will understand why chapters 21 and 22 are so vital. Let's look at, uh, in conclusion, in John 8.34. <clears throat> Jesus of uh, John 8.34, and we'll skip to 36 then. Je Jesus answered them, Truly, truly. Um, <clears throat> Two-thirds of a trinity. Uh, that was for your sake, Greg. Uh, <laughs> I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Then verse 6. So if the Son makes you free, free from the slavery that you were in when you were tied to sin, you will be free indeed. That's the honor that we have when we have a release from the power, the grinding, binding nature of sin. We are free. We are liberated from our slavery. And I think that's a good place to probably end tonight because this, this, these three verses are so critical uh, as foundational steps in understanding that uh, God has given us a revelation that needs to be studied because He's the origin. He's the source. He is stable. All of our stability is dependent upon Him because He was, He is, 
and he always will be, that stability, everything else comes and goes, and that our Lord is a faithful witness to what he came to do and in the explaining of God. And then he was he sealed it by being the firstborn from the dead, never to die again. And he is the ruler of those who have been released from their sins. Any questions? Some of these things will demand some further explanation. I understand that. Such as um, the idea that I am referring to those who have been released from sins as kings. Uh, those are the kings that I think he's referring to here. Uh, we'll have more um, information on that as we go along. Uh, but introducing that is something to ponder and to think about. And that uh, the other thing is the seven spirits reflecting uh, the character and the nature of the seven churches of Asia. And you need, need to think about that and ponder it. So any other questions, comments? Alright, let's close with prayer. Father, we're thankful for a good evening in Your Word together. Uh, we, we thank You that the revelation is here for us to, to think and to be challenged by. And Father, we pray for the wisdom to be true to it in every respect. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.